0: About it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900CHML.
1: Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Today marks the first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. It's time to learn the rest of our history. Ted and Diana are in the newsroom, Will is on the board, and here's
2: Scott.
0: Good afternoon. It is 309. It is 900-CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. It is Hamilton today. And uh, as Kurt was saying, it is the very first uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And uh, we're going to have a show that reflects that and kind of uh pay tribute to and and try to learn more about uh what we have not been taught over uh the years and uh obviously now is uh front and center as we move forward in the new canada which is pretty cool when you stop to think about it uh because this certainly isn't something we were discussing when i was a kid so it's uh it's good to know that at least my kids will learn a different story uh, here and are learning a different story over the course of, uh, not only this day, but the time moving forward. Uh, I, I don't believe there is any moving back here. There is no, there is no moving backwards. Uh, it, it's obvious what has happened and it's obvious the mistakes that were made. And now we have to learn as much as we can. And, you know, I think it's got a lot of people confused and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to react. I know I felt that way initially when uh, first really having my eyes open to this, which I, th- I think for a lot of people was uh, the discovery of uh, uh, w- uh, the discovery underneath the Kamloops, former Kamloops residential school of all those unmarked children's graves. So and now the search on to do the right thing with the rest of those sites across uh, the country, which is one of the stories we'll talk about a little later on today, so I, I think that has changed uh, everything, and you know I've ma- I, I've asked many indigenous uh academics who will talk to today who um who are very hesitant and rightly so of, of whether this will move uh, anything forward and they they certainly have the right to feel that way because there's really been no uh, proof otherwise has there so um you know I, I think the only thing i can add to that as a non-indigenous person is um is it's changed my view it's changed my uh my interpretation of what what happened and uh how much we have suppressed this uh over the years for uh, uh a purpose i'm not sure and 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 i'm not sure many of us are uh but moving forward we know we have to do the right thing we know we have to uh make this right on this very first uh, national day for truth and reconciliation i'm going to keep that uh... that direction in mind when we talk about our small business spotlight and introduce you to kyle Jodick. kyle was uh... is it has a job and a laborer and he, on his in his spare time he's an artist and then the art, as often happens, or sometimes if you're lucky, it takes off. And uh, Kyle is is one of those people. Kyle is Cayuga from Six Nations of the Grand River with Turtle Clan and is with us now. Kyle, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Hey, how's it going, Scott? It's going well. So how did you start? First of all, how long have you been doing this? Obviously, you've got the murals going now, but when did art start for you?
3: Uh, I get, well, art's always been kind of a lifelong passion, but it wasn't something that I looked at in any professional capacity, truly up until like the last year.
0: So what happened in the last year?
3: Um, honestly, I'm not too sure. I'm kind of living through a, a surreal lens right now. Um, but in the last year, I got my first mural commission from Merck snack bar on Ottawa Street. Yeah. And, um... After, after I finished the piece, I dedicated it to my grandmother, who had passed away uh, earlier in that year. And uh, from that point on, I've you know been blessed and extremely grateful to you know, have an outpouring of support and also started to just gain a lot of traction in the city as an artist.
0: So one leads to another, leads to another, leads to another.
3: Exactly. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of word of mouth right now.
0: So where can we see your work? People around town, for example.
3: Um, So, right now, um, I actually just had an article with the CBC Hamilton about my uh, mural up on Concession Street. Uh, That one is depicting the seven grandfathers' teachings of the Haudenosaunee culture. Uh, That's at 576 Concession Street, uh, or it's attached to the alleyway of Concession Pizza.
0: And so when you get commissioned to do a piece, do you just draw down from your inspiration, draw from your inspiration and paint something? Uh, Is that part of the commission that you do? You're looking for a direction. How do you decide what to do?
3: Um, For the most part, a a lot of my murals are, I go through a design consultation phase with the customer or client. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of just talk about, what they're trying to have conveyed in the piece of art and uh, you know, just try and discuss um different design prompts like that. But um for for instance for the one that I was just talking about there on Concession Street, that one was very much a um a design that kind of came about through not necessarily meditation, but deep thought on the teachings. Mm-hmm. And I came to a point where I felt like it, you know, it needs to be out there for the grander audience to appreciate
0: do you think that does everybody who and i've asked artists this many times people who see your work view it differently than you do are getting something out of it other than what you initially meant to say or is that the idea uh everybody interprets it it's own in their own way
3: um truthfully that's something that i've kind of been coming across more recently being an urban Indigenous person myself, there's a lot of loss of connectivity with my, with my family and my heritage. And I've been finding that putting these uh, Indigenous art pieces out into the community in very public spaces has been kind of enriching the perspective of urban Indigenous people in the city and giving them you know, a, a, a feeling of inclusivity and uh, almost like a, a safe space.
0: Is this is this a point of discussion? Is it, how much of that is part of your work, where people look at it and then ask you to explain it? Ask you to explain the story.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, while I'm painting, like I said, it's it's usually on a, a street street or somewhere very open. So I very often have people coming up to me and asking for a deeper explanation of whatever imagery I, I might happen to be putting up, and you know, I'm more than happy to educate. Uh, indigenous people that don't might not know, and also non-indigenous people, because that's the sort of representation that we need right now.
0: That's a valid point. Um, considering, you know, most wouldn't expect you to say indigenous people, but again, who are searching for their roots? My goodness, mm-hmm. this obviously leads them to that. You talked about your grandmother earlier on. Yep. How much of that was an influence, or was she an influence in your work?
3: I uh, honestly, I couldn't. I can't really put into words how much of a inspiration her, her life and her spirit was to me growing up. She um, raised me um, for the most part because I grew up with a single mother who worked and put herself through school to support us. And my grandmother, Rena, never once stopped supporting me and you know pushing me to uh, be the best person I can be.
0: How do we find your work? What's the best way to? To, to find what you're doing and uh, and get you some more work, get you commissioned more.
3: I really appreciate you asking. Actually, um, so right now I'm just running everything through my Instagram, which is Kyle Jodic Art on uh, on Instagram there. So K Y L E J O E D I C K E Art. <laughs>
0: All right, Kyle Jodic Art. Now uh, Truth National Day for Truth and Reconciliation today. How does it make you feel as an Indigenous artist?
3: Um, to be honest with you, at first I was a little bit conflicted about the situation just because it's not uh, been created as a stat holiday for the people who you know should be able to take the day off to reflect um, as a whole. But um, overall I would say it's still an important step forward because it's giving our people and our struggles recognition and it's also helping to amplify the voices of artists poets, writers of Indigenous backgrounds who, you know, should be at the forefront.
0: Check out his page on Instagram, Kyle Jodick Art. That's Kyle Jodic Art, local artist. Kyle Jodick's been with us, and the uh, latest one on Concession Street, but uh, working on murals around town uh, for commission and such, and has found a whole new world uh, in the last year or so uh, doing uh, such work. Congratulations to you, Kyle. Great story. Good luck. Thank you so much, Scott. I, I genuinely appreciate this. Anytime. Good luck with all this moving forward and beautiful thank stuff. You. Kyle Jodak, Kyle Jodak Art on uh, Instagram in order to find him. All right, let's bring in Dr. Liam Midzane Gobin, Assistant Professor of Political Science with Brock University, specializing in indigenous governance, uh, to talk about the significance of this day and, of course, uh, court rulings, which just came down yesterday, and what this means between indigenous and non-indigenous communities. And Liam is with us now. Liam, thank you for the time.
4: I hope you're doing well. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I hope you're well, too.
0: I am, thanks so much. So, the significance of the very first uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, what are your thoughts on this day?
4: I honestly think it's pretty incredible. Um, it's something that comes out of a lot of work by survivors and a lot of work by um, high-profile people, like Justice Murray Sinclair, who is one of the TRC commissioners, and it's taken a long time for the federal government to finally get around to it, but I think that it's really important that we do everything we can to to really market and make it an important day for a lot of people. Why does
0: it seem to matter now? Is it is it all about Kamloops? That seems to be a real turning point for Canadians.
4: I, I think it was, and I think it wasn't. Um, we saw in the federal election campaign that ultimately there wasn't a whole lot of discussion about reconciling reconciliation issues. But I think that what Kamloops really showed was that this is still living history. And that's something that Canadians have a really hard time grasping. And it is something that that event really catalyzed. And because it became such a big deal and, and such a big media story, it was something the government really latched onto and finally followed through on one of those calls to action on Uh, One of our our poll
0: question of the day today, should the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation be, obviously it's a federal statutory holiday, Uh, should it be a a provincial statutory holiday, everybody's debating whether we should be doing on this day, should we be off, should we be at work, oddly enough, uh, in the middle of this debate we've just got a news, uh, a a breaking news alert that uh, in fact the Prime Minister is vacationing with his family in British Columbia today and uh, is taking the day off, so so should it be a day off? Should it be we should we be here like it is Remembrance Day and, and and continuing
4: on? Yeah, I absolutely think it is. And I think that Remembrance Day is a really good parallel for this. This is well, I should say every Remembrance Day we get a lot of historical information and we're reminded of the importance of the day and the important sacrifices that Canadian soldiers made and what that means for us today. And I think that what this day can offer, and certainly if we are to take it seriously and take it as that day off, use it for reflection, we can all start to learn more and make decisions about what we want that shared future to look like. And that's kind of the definition of reconciliation that we got out of the TRC.
0: So should we be off or uh, because people are worried that if you're off, it's just another holiday. Nobody nobody has those ceremonies. Nobody has those commemorations. I mean, there was no reason why those couldn't continue. But do you think that changes the the significance of it, having it off or
4: having it uh, the way it is? I do think that having it off would change the significance. And I think that it would actually offer a lot more opportunity for people to do that work of, Mm -hmm. Um, memorializing and remembering. We do this for Remembrance Day. We have ceremonies during the day, and people can actually attend during the day because it's Remembrance Day. I don't really understand the argument that having it off wouldn't allow us to do that.
0: Uh, Obviously, significant court case yesterday, two decisions, uh, one in regard to settlement for uh, uh, children, uh, victims of residential schools, the other in in regard to Jordan's law and punting this from court to court to figure out which level of government pays for it. How significant are these cases that they both fell in favor of the Indigenous community?
4: I think it's just one more example of really the duplicity of the government. Um, A lot of the kind of rhetoric that we see is the government saying that they actually want to do right. And then we start and continue to get court decisions like that. Leaders like Cindy Blockstock have done a really incredible job pushing this forward and never forgetting that it really is oftentimes children that are at the heart of uh, these kinds of decisions and service provision, certainly. Um, but then when we start thinking about healthcare, like Jordan's principle, and when we start thinking about the intergenerational trauma of intergenerational, of, sorry, uh, residential schools, these are really crucial because it is an opportunity for the government to step up and finally live up to its obligations.
0: So do you think we'll see an appeal from government on this, or do you think this will be taken for face value, considering where we are with this day now?
4: It's been 14 years, and I would be really shocked if the government didn't appeal this. Um, Over those 14 years, they've kind of consistently, especially when it comes to the child welfare situation, they have consistently appealed and tried to limit what they are responsible for. And so them passing the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation is is wonderful. But as we've seen, even on issues of uh, boil water advisories, or just being willing to, to not continue on with this appeal, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to continue to undermine what this day can mean elsewhere.
0: Uh, so is this largely symbolic?
4: I don't think so. And here's where I, well, I should say, I don't think it has to be. And I think that what individual Canadians end up doing with this day really is where we can start to see some of the success of the day itself so if people are going to take out time from their day to do the work of reflection that can take a variety of different forms but it can be something as simple as reading the 94 trc calls to action or the 230 plus uh, calls to justice from the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls inquiry it could be reading the executive summaries if you don't have time to read the entire thing there are long reports multiple volumes take some time to read the executive summaries and learn about what the Canadian government has done and is doing. Um, There are all kinds of events that are taking place. I know the Woodland cultural center that is close by and has a number of really incredible programs. So it doesn't just have to be symbolic. If people are willing to really step up and uh, do a little bit of work to, to learn more about not only what has happened, but what's happening today.
0: It's our history. Uh, Dr. Liam Midzane-Gobin with us, Assistant Professor of Political Science, Brock University, specializing in indigenous communities and governance. Uh, Liam, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well.
4: Thank you, Scott. You be well as well.
0: The poll question of the day today, uh, should the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation be a statutory holiday right across the country? It doesn't matter if it's federal or provincial. Uh, it's a go. Well, clearly the Prime Minister does, uh, and 67% of you agree. It should be a uh, a stat holiday right across the board. Uh, the prime minister on a holiday with his family. Uh, we are finding out in British Columbia, uh, Tofino, British Columbia, and uh, not attending uh, events that he had been invited to. Uh, instead, uh, marking the first uh, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation uh, on vacation. Even though the itinerary for the prime Min- from the prime minister's office said he was in Ottawa today, uh, in meetings. So it'll be interesting to see how um, that is received uh, across the country you would think he would be on uh on our tv screens uh all day at, at various uh, commemorations and such since this is um the very first national day for truth and reconciliation let's bring in patty doyle bedwell native studies instructor with dahousie university and is with us now patty thank you for the time i hope you're doing well
5: i'm doing well thank you scott
0: Uh, Your thoughts that the Prime Minister uh, isn't at various events across the country, isn't instead uh, vacationing with the family, or at least taking some, uh, I'm sure, well-deserved time off. Your thoughts on this very first day?
5: Well, I think he should have been in Ottawa. (laughs) He should have been at different events today. There's things happening all across this country to commemorate the lost children, the residential school survivors. The federal government made this a statutory holiday. So why why is he on vacation? That's my question. He should be here at different uh, events.
0: It'll be interesting to see how uh, this is received across the country, uh, considering, a, a, again, his advocacy for such uh, such an event and, and uh, apparently the support for it. What are your thoughts, uh, Patty, on this very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation? What are your thoughts on, on where we are?
5: Well, I think this is a good first step. And it's not just today, it's every day. We need to be thinking about this, learning about this. People should be advocating for the calls to action. So this is a good day to have a remembrance of what has happened in the past, but it's also to me a catalyst for people to start learning about what happened.
0: Should this should we be off for this, or should it be like a remembrance day where it depends on what you are and where you're employed, or does that even matter?
5: I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said.
0: Should we should this day be a statutory holiday right the way across the board, like provincially yes. and federally?
5: Yes, it is in Nova Scotia, so we had the day off and um, people had the opportunity to participate in different events today. So. It, everybody has a day off. Well, government and hospitals. Yeah. Well, not hospitals, but government and schools, universities.
0: Better to have us in learning about it or the day off per se?
5: I think it's important to take the day mm-hmm. and participate in commemorative events just like we do on Remembrance Day.
0: Uh, but We're Remembrance Day, there. not every not everybody gets it off in Remembrance Day. It's pretty much the same yeah, thing. It true. depends across no, we the. we get it. <laughs> yeah, not really. Clearly, <laughs> we, we are living the in panic the, panic. clearly we are living in the wrong province here, Patty. Uh, yeah, we got to come out to <laughs> <from> the east. <laughs> Uh, so let me ask you this. Was the Kamloops Residential School discovery, uh, all of those uh, graves, bodies beneath the former uh, residential school, is that is is that the catalyst that helped propel this? It seems that was significant in getting, finally, uh, Canadians' attention.
5: Yes, I think that was the catalyst because people were shocked appalled, disgusted, oh, my God, what happened? And it got a lot of media attention, and people like my friends, who are not Indigenous, they were just shocked. And it really caused them to really think about what happened, what happened at those residential schools. (laughs) You know, it made them think about it. So I think that was a good catalyst even though I don't like to think about our dead children, but they are calling out to us. They're asking us to bring them home, and I think that's an important thing that we need to be doing.
0: How is the Indigenous community looking at this? And you can see how there's some skepticism. You can see how there's some thanks. But on the other, I mean, obviously, this must be a very difficult day.
5: It's been a difficult day for me. It made me think of my mom, who went to residential school, my uncles and aunties. Not that I don't think of them all the time, but I do today. I gave a talk this morning, and I almost started crying, because I just was so emotionally vulnerable today.
0: How how does the Indigenous community feel about this change of tone from Canadians?
5: My understanding is that, like today, I gave a presentation to all many, well, I don't know how many people were on the call, but to the Dell Faculty Association, and people were very interested, interested in learning about what happened, and interested in advocating for change, and I think that's a positive step.
0: Patty Doyle-Bedwell with us, Native Studies instructor with Dalhousie University, talking about the very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, which, of course, is today. Patty, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for sharing your stories. Be well
5: thank you you
0: too we want to play you a portion of an interview uh, for more than a century thousands of children were forced into the residential school system decades later the harm of that system can be seen felt and heard in all, all of our communities uh, CJOB Winnipeg host Lorena McNabb sat down with one survivor to hear how she's working to make sure her story and all of their stories are heard
6: thank you dear creator for giving me another day to walk your beautiful earth.
7: She's grateful for the gift of time and the perspective 80 years can bring. You have to
6: be thankful.
7: But as Elder Mary Courshane patiently answers questions she's no doubt answered before, it's clear the real thanks lies in the very
6: words she's able to speak. I'm so grateful to my dad who insisted that when I stepped in the house, there was no English
7: powerful statement given the feelings Elder Mary once had for her own language. Anishinaabegowin.
6: I became another person.
7: She was just five years old when she was forced into the residential school system on Seeking First Nation.
6: Almost brings a lump to my throat.
7: We returned there together in 2014. So the school would have been somewhere here? And then how far away was your house? See where the white
6: where that That white yeah. White house. yeah, that's about the place where my house was home,
7: just meters from the school. But she was only allowed to go home on holidays.
6: Interestingly, I never got to see the inside of my house until 10 long months later. And even yet you we lived? live, even though we live next door.
7: She can still recall those first days, the fear and loneliness But her clearest memory remains a day in the early 50s, when she returned from her sixth year in residential school.
6: And he says, Don, is the question. My daughter's home. And when I heard those words, I looked at my dad's dark face. And I looked at my mom, and she looked at me. And this rush of hatred almost came over me. I stood up to him and I was just, you know, proud that I could speak the English language. And I said, from now on, we'll speak English in this house. And my dad, my dad's jaw dropped and he sat back down and actual tears came to his eyes. And he looked at my mom and he said, Then perhaps we never get to speak to this little girl again. He says, I don't know her. And I was 11 years old, going on 12. Already I had been indoctrinated. Already I was brainwashed to believe that who I was, was one to be looked down on and to be you know. Did someone tell you that was the way to live? Yes. Every day of my school life. Every day of my school life. Your ancestors are no good.
7: Elder Mary uh, says that feeling lingered for decades. Even after she married. Even after she had kids.
6: Why not bring them up? Maybe they could go to school like white kids and maybe that you know, they wouldn't have that Indian accent. and I don't want my younger one.
7: But in the 1970s, she went back to school, to university where a history professor directed her to a book
6: on residential schools. We called it boarding school at the time. I said, I want to talk about the boarding school. And I want to talk about the nice time I had there. <laughs> so and he says, Do, pick up this book, there was a book. I read and read, and read and <gasps> read. Could not believe the things that were said in there. They're savages, and you know, I was so angry. I was just so angry. Learning then
7: what many Canadians are still learning now the system was designed to remove indigenous children from their families and assimilate them.
6: We were always told that your only saving grace is following that way. When Elder Mary graduated
7: from university, she went on to teach later becoming principal, then the first female Dean of Aboriginal Education at Red River College in Winnipeg. She also testified for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission.
6: They don't just need to know my story. They need to know everyone else's story.
7: One of 6,500 witnesses.
8: I forgot about me, so I'm here today on my healing journey
7: again. Laying bare their pain. This next voice is residential school survivor Eugene Arcand, speaking after the TRC report was released in 2015.
8: No one can say that you don't know about this anymore. Canada, this is your rite of passage. That
7: was six years ago, among the 94 calls to action released back then, number 80, the establishment of a national holiday to commemorate the horrors of the schools and help healing. But it wasn't until this year, until Kamloops, that call was put into action.
6: It means that the world knows that Canada has a sordid past when it comes to the indigenous peoples that were there.
7: Past Elder Mary still struggles to reconcile with, not just how the residential school system made
6: her feel, but how it still makes her feel. To this day, I feel lesser than. Really? Yes, absolutely. Why it's difficult for me. I go into what gives her confidence now is the life her family is building. My focus is on my little great grandchildren, who will grow up knowing, and not and not just knowing, but uh, becoming knowledge keepers.
7: Working to better understand the past. We
6: are just as good as the first man that stepped on this on this land of ours. I am. And with pride and gratefulness. Pindigan. Come on in.
7: Carrying her language into the future.
0: Catch up on the news and information you've missed. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. It is the very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And uh, the poll question of the day asking you if this should be a... If the truth, if the uh, first, or if, uh, I guess, days moving forward, National Days for Truth and Reconciliation should be provincial statutory holidays. It's a federal statutory holiday now. Should it be across the board a holiday, everybody off? Feel free to weigh in on that. 67% of you are saying, uh, yes, on the Twitter poll. So, uh, if you have an opinion, hit our social media pages. We would love to hear from you. Alright, uh, it's fascinating how our attitudes as Canadians have changed. And a lot of this, uh, as a result of the discovery beneath the Kamloops, former Kamloops residential school of, uh, of unmarked graves of, of former students of that residential school that were there and undocumented, uh, unmarked, what have you. And that, of course, spawned the search or is spawning the search across every single uh, site of a former residential school, of which I believe there's about 150 across the country to find out if there are any more and to uh, try to identify and, and mark those graves in some, in some fashion. And again, very much up to the local indigenous communities that are uh, involved in each and every one of these uh, individual areas to decide how they move forward uh, on this. But uh, obviously during that period of the the Kamloops residential school discovery, I I think a lot of attitudes changed. And we want to bring in uh, Andrew Parkin, Executive Director for Environics Institute for uh, for Survey Research. Uh, They have a fascinating survey that notes the growing awareness of the Indigenous community and their plight. Andrew is with us now from Environics Institute for Survey Research. Andrew, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Doing well,
9: thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: How are Canadians feeling about the Indigenous community and how has that changed?
9: Well, I I think it's the change that's that's most interesting. Um, And there's two kinds of change going on. On the one hand, I think there's a growing awareness. So, you know... It's a day for truth and reconciliation today, and a big part of that is truth, and and listening, and and hearing the history, and acknowledging the history, and we have evidence that you know that's that's been going on over recent years. Um, when Canadians describe what they understand about Indigenous people, their language is becoming more specific. They're able, you know, they're more likely to mention residential schools or the, or the taking away of children and so on. So these, this part of our history is is becoming. Uh, more recognized, but that's leading to another kind of change, which is I, I guess you could call it growing support, right? Growing uh, rallying around uh, Indigenous peoples and Indigenous rights, uh, and we see it in this survey in the sense of uh, Canadians being, you know, more likely to understand that government policies really have led us to many of the difficult situations we're facing now.
0: Uh, the indigenous communities have been have been yelling this for for decades, it appears. Um, now things uh, are, are changing, are changing. We can feel it changing. How much did the situation uh, with the Kamloops, former site of the Kamloops residential school have to do with this, do you think, Andrew? Well,
9: I, I think I think it did uh, obviously have to do. You know, as you said, this work has been going on uh, for years. Um, uh, and even you know some of the things that uh, were discovered at uh, schools like the one in Kamloops and other words, uh, and and in other locations, you know they were mentioned in the tr- Truth and Reconciliation Report. They were these were things that that you know were known, but not necessarily known as widely as they could be in the general public by the average Canadian. And I think you know those unfortunate episodes earlier this year, uh, you know at least they they they. Re- push the conversation and push the knowledge further. And they did make a difference.
0: What about age or geography? How does that change the discussion?
9: I I mean, geography matters a little bit. Uh, uh, The prairies, I think, have always been an area of the country where attitudes, I I think it's fair to say, attitudes are maybe a little harsher or harder or changes is is slower to come. Uh, But it's, it's not a huge difference. It's a noticeable one. I think the most interesting one right now, is with age. Uh, they, you know, the younger you go in the population, the more openness there is, uh, the mm. more understanding there is. Um, I'm, not gonna, I'm not saying there's a huge generational gap here, um, but there is just this, uh, you know, evidence that younger Canadians, you know, perhaps because they're now that hopefully we're having some Canadians who are learning about this in school when they're very young, they're carrying that with them. Um, and, uh, and so we do see a difference there.
0: Do you think Canadians are surprised by how little they are or, or how much they don't know about this, uh, about this situation, about this issue?
9: Well, I think you're still hearing that today. You know, part of the part of the goal of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, I think, was to get us to the point where no one could say, you know, no one ever told me about yeah. this part of our history. I was never aware. I didn't learn about this in school, didn't see about this on on, on TV. Um and uh, so I think that is diminishing, and I think it's you know days like the one we're having today are, are part of that. You know, the, the, this 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 day of reflection and commemoration today is not it's not just a, a, a symbolic act. I think I think it's it's something you know we're having conversations like the one you and I are having now, and that's all part of the process to get us past this first stage on the journey of reconciliation, where you know. would people say well no one told me i didn't i didn't know about this and and i think we are getting to the point where we can move to a next step beyond that
0: will this grow uh will the second national day for truth and reconciliation be bigger than the first
9: well i don't think i'm i'm uh, you know i I don't know if i'm the best person to say that i guess i would i would just say i hope so and and it and it looks like uh it looks like it will you know i i think one thing I would like to say is, you know, we, we've just come out of an election campaign, lots of heated mm. arguments in that. A lot of people saying, you know, this country is divided, uh, you know, divided by regions or, or big cities versus rural areas and so on. You stand back from all of that. We can see through a number of the surveys we do. The country is changing, and the way it's changing is that we are coming together And part of that coming together is acknowledging issues that we have, acknowledging issues in our history, acknowledging issues today around racism, discrimination against different groups and so on. So as a whole, we are moving in, I think, a positive direction, more awareness and with more awareness, I think, becomes more uh, a greater willingness to listen and a greater willingness to change.
0: That's great news, considering how divisive we have been, and hopefully a global pandemic will aid to bringing us together as well as this cause. Andrew Parkin, with his executive director of Environics Institute for Survey Research, noting that there is a growing awareness of our indigenous communities and Canada's relation uh, to them. Andrew, thanks so much for the time. Be well.
9: Yes, thank you.
0: Scott Thompson, Will on the board, Diana in the newsroom, and all around the round table right now. Feel free to jump into the fun. We would love to hear from you. Send us a note via the website, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. And the phone lines are always open at 905 645 3221, star 9900 on your cell on this first national day for truth and reconciliation. Uh, hello, uh, Diana and Will. Hope you're both doing well on this National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Let's start with, uh, the poll question of the day because, uh, the Prime Minister has added a whole new element to this discussion, uh, with news that's just breaking. Uh, and our poll question of the day because the big, it's like Remembrance Day. Should this be a holiday? Should it be off? Should it be more than just a government, uh, holiday, uh, at the federal level? Should it also be a, uh, provincial holiday and, and a day off across the board? 67% of you are saying, yes, uh, it should be a holiday, and clearly uh, the Prime Minister has listened, because it's just been announced that uh, he is in fact on holiday. Now, he participated in a ceremony, I guess last night, uh, but for the actual day, the first day of uh, of Truth and Reconciliation, uh, he is in fact on holiday. What do, you, what do you guys think about that, Diana?
2: I think whoever's doing his PR really needs to advise him better. Um, and the thing is, know, is, is that like, on his I mean, sca-
0: on Come his on. schedule, on his schedule, it says that he's in Ottawa. It doesn't even say he's on vacation. So I think that's part of it as well. He was kind of sneaking away. So uh, anyway, I interrupted Diana. Go ahead.
2: No, I just think um, I don't know. You know why he thought or his advisors thought that this was a good idea. Um, you know, especially since he. You know, is so adamant about, you know, fixing, quote unquote, indigenous rights and, and and issues here in Canada. And for this, you know, to occur on the day when we're supposed to be thinking about it top of mind all day. I mean, for him to just jet off and kind of not face face the music here I, as our leader. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think that's that's wrong.
0: You think with being at the first one, too, that there's obviously some significance here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well Yeah. Uh
1: definitely does not look good. Definitely not a good idea. Not what I would do in that position. And it'd be different if he took the day off and, and continued attending ceremonies or did some sort of work. Uh but do we They're probably trying to get him to one right now. Yeah, yeah. Scrambling at the last minute. I, I yeah, no, it, it definitely um he messed up big time with this one. Even if, even if the plan all along has been he's attending a ceremony, he's going through uh, a- an educational uh, experience, or any number of things like that. That should have been front and center. They should not have referred to it in any way as vacation. And uh, I, they yeah. probably should have kept everything updated on his uh, on his official listings of where he is right now. Yeah. And so also, should this
0: be a holiday, Diana? Do you think?
2: I I think so. I mean but I would feel I feel like if if it is, is a holiday people are just going to use it as an excuse obviously to just take it off and you know not think about you know what's really at hand again, here and you know, what we should be thinking about
0: we were talking with our last guest from Brock University, and you know, just because you have the day off, doesn't mean we still can't have cele- uh, memorial celebrations like we do for Remembrance Day. That's do you very think true. if people if people had the day off, do you think those would disappear or would diminish, be less attended?
2: No, I think I think that would be a great idea, is to have you know um, you know maybe some ceremonies that we could attend uh, for a lo- for a local indigenous communities. Uh, maybe they can put it on and 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 kind of just invite us and show us you know uh, their traditions and culture and, and just be a day of learning for us, really. Um, But just back to the Trudeau thing, I'm reading here on our Global News um, report that just came in. It says that he received, this is Trudeau, received at least two invitations to spend the day with survivors and their families in BC. Mm -hmm. um, And they sent two heartfelt, quote-unquote, invitations to Trudeau, um, but he didn't go to any. um, He's spending it with his family.
0: That's yeah. That is a bit surprising. And again, you know, you can take your family with you, but to to be caught flat-footed like this is quite a surprise. Will?
1: Uh, as for, I mean, as for turning down the invitations as well, there was your, there was his chance to uh, uh, turn about on this. Um, as for whether or not it should be a a holiday, I'm actually torn. Uh, on this, because of the same worries that people have, that if we have the day off, uh, are people going to make use of that uh, for an uh, educational experience or something along those lines? Um, You know, leaving it up to them. However, I think, you know, going back and forth, even right up until this debate right here on air, uh, I think I've got to agree with uh, the majority in the Twitter poll that no, it would be better to have this as a full day off. There are events taking place. There are things happening. And even even so, even if there's nothing happening in your area around you, you can still take the initiative to take this day. You have the Internet. You have the library. You can still use this day to focus and learn Mm. and do something for yourself. So I think in the future, maybe a full day off, it would be better.
0: Uh, And we should uh, come clean here. As federally regulated business as radio is, we have it off. And you know we're working because it would make sense to have us here talking about it uh, rather than you know taking off somewhere, right? Uh, but still do get it as a loo as a result of that. So it's it's that's the way it is for fregu- uh, federally regulated employees, uh, and different for the rest. It'll be fascinating to see how this changes moving forward. And the second uh, National Day of uh, for Truth and Reconciliation, if it's any different than the first, let me ask you both this because you're younger than I am. Did you learn anything about Indigenous communities during? school
2: i mean i did but i don't think it was the version that the indigenous community perhaps would have wanted me to learn i mean i'm coming at it from a person that grew up and went to catholic school (laughs) so
1: yeah. yeah yeah um did i did not go to catholic school i learned some of this in school but the majority of my uh education on this did come more from stories learned from uh, family friends and and things mm. along those lines yeah um,
0: uh, my age group absolutely not nothing although my kids you know who are teenagers now a uh, different story but you know again as you know, they're probably more a part of the beginning of all of this uh, I'm sure even now it's going to change moving forward forget about his two zis god has an entire vault filled with opinions this is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900-CHML. Very, very first uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, Globals Farrah Nasser investigates the history of residential schools uh, in this piece for Canada Uncovered. Uh, this is on the History Channel. Listen to this. Mm-hmm.
10: The term residential schools refers to an extensive religious school system that was set up by the Canadian government and run by churches. These schools were established with the passing of the British North American Act in 1867 and then the implementation of the Indian Act in 1876 with a goal of educating Indigenous children and assimilating them into Euro-Canadian culture. Now, European settlers in Canada falsely believed that those of European descent were superior to what was called then Indians. They saw Indigenous people as ignorant, savage, and in need of guidance, and felt they needed to civilize them. It was believed Indigenous children could be saved by adopting Christianity and speaking French or English. Assimilation efforts began as early as the 17th century. That's when French colonists arrived in New France, which includes many provinces that are now part of Canada. The first residential school, the Mohawk Institute, opened in 1831. It was in Brantford, Ontario. The last one closed in Punichi, Saskatchewan in 1996, which when you think about it, was not so long ago. In total, over 130 residential schools operated in Canada between 1831 and 1996. In 1931, there were 80 residential schools operating in Canada, this was the most at one time, and they were run by different churches, including Roman Catholic, Anglican, United and Presbyterian. First Nations, Métis, and Inuit children were removed, most against their own will, from their families and communities. And they were put in schools forced to abandon their traditions, cultural practices and language. The attempt to assimilate children began right when they arrived at the school. Students hair was cut, they were stripped of traditional clothes and they were forced to wear uniforms, and they were often given a new name. Sometimes they were given just a number. Residential school students did not receive the same education as those in the public school system, and the schools were severely underfunded. Former students of residential schools have spoken out about the horrendous abuse by school staff. Chronic physical, sexual, and psychological and emotional abuse that you could imagine had lifelong consequences. Survivors talk about being beaten and strapped Some students were shackled to their beds. Some had needles shoved into their tongues for speaking their native languages. These abuses, along with overcrowding, poor sanitization, and severely inadequate food and healthcare, led to a shockingly high death toll. Many children were vulnerable to tuberculosis and influenza. Some died by suicide. Some died of malnutrition. An estimated 150,000 children attended the schools, and it's estimated that 3,000 to 6,000 children died in them. For years, students and parents protested the conditions inside the schools. Some children refused to cooperate. Some stole food, others ran away. Some started fires in protest, but their cries were mostly ignored. By the 1940s, it was clear to the government that these schools were ineffective. And in 1969, the Department of Indian Affairs took over the school system, ending the church involvement. And then, Indigenous communities spent the next few decades carrying out the difficult work of supporting the students who were traumatized from these experiences. In the 1990s, former students demanded the government and church acknowledge their roles in the school and provide compensation for their suffering. Then in 2005, the federal government announced a $1.9 billion compensation package for the survivors of abuse. In 2007, the federal government and the churches that had operated the schools agreed to provide financial compensation to former students under the Residential Schools Settlement Agreement. On June 11, 2008, then-Prime Minister Stephen Harper, on behalf of the Canadian government, Formally apologized to all the students of residential schools in Canada. The apology recognized the profoundly damaging and lasting impact the schools had on Indigenous culture, and it was one of the steps to forge a new relationship with Indigenous people in Canada. But, It excluded survivors of residential schools in Newfoundland and Labrador, since Canada didn't operate residential schools in that province because it wasn't part of Canada when the schools began. So survivors there launched a class action lawsuit and a settlement of $50 million was reached on May 10, 2016. On the 24th of November in 2017, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau formally apologized to survivors of residential schools in Newfoundland and Labrador. As part of its goal to fix the wrongs of the past, the government also established the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to document the history and lasting impacts of residential schools. In 2015, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report was released. It painted a damning picture of the schools calling Canada's treatment of Indigenous people cultural genocide. It issued 94 calls to action to promote reconciliation One of the main recommendations was to begin educating students about residential schools. And that's why more and more students are finally learning about this important part of Canadian history. Although Canada now prides itself for diversity and acceptance, it's clear from its dark past that was not always the case. Although the doors to the schools have closed, the wounds are still open and painful. And it's not known when or if those wounds will ever heal. I'm Farhan Asser. This is the story of residential schools. This is Canada Uncovered.
0: Uh, that is Global's uh, Farhan Asser investigating the history of residential schools uh, in a piece for Canada Uncovered. On the History Channel, uh, something, uh, wow, I- impactful. And, and, and I'm happy to say we've spent the whole show, uh, covering various aspects of this day. And, uh, we hope that's been of, of some value and, and education to you. Uh, all we have to do here is listen. That's all we have to do. Just listen and try to understand, uh, what our past was really all about. Let's bring in Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show, columnist with your Hamilton Spectator. He's with us now. Scott, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. Doing fine, Scott. How are you? I'm doing good. Do you think the Prime Minister should be here, uh, at least um, hosting the very first uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation?
11: Well, let me tell you a little something this morning. So I filled in for Bill Kelly this morning because Bill had to take the day off, and mm-hmm. we did a call segment asking people. The very question that the poll question is today, should this be a stat holiday across the board? And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get with call segments, but we do get great calls. I mean, not everyone, but uh, we get great calls. And we yeah. had a lady call in today. Her name was Rose. And Rose raised a really fascinating question that stopped me in my tracks. And she said, how come the federal government that oversaw the residential school program that led to a day that we have to have like this Are the only people getting a day off paid at home to have a vacation? Hmm. And it was like, it's a great question. Now, whether that means we should all have a day off or her recommendation was, you know what? No, federal employees should be at work and their paycheck from today should go towards reconciliation issues. Regardless, Hmm. though, it seems really odd that the one organization that is the reason we're having this day gets the day off
0: and you know this is the same debate that we have or have been having in regard to remembrance day yeah. and you know if we give the day off uh and i've got a note here from uh from a teacher that said uh that he recommends that the kids be in school and spend the whole day learning about this as opposed to having it a holiday uh, you know obviously I, I i i'm not sure where i am on this one i i would automatically vote for a holiday because we can do all of the ceremony in amongst that as well but you know he brought up a a valid point where you know if you've got the kids in school and you're spending that day doing it we've literally done the whole show on this today uh so it's fascinating and i think that debate will continue but uh i, I think it's a real um uh, mistake for the prime minister not to be front and center during all of this considering uh his advocacy for indigenous communities and you know i mean it's, it's like being a feminist he's he, 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 he there was lots of show there but where is he where is he he, he should be here
11: so look, there there are times he gets criticized for being just show.
0: Yeah, this is yeah, one of those point.
11: times, though, that I think you know there is some symbolism in being front and center for this. And yeah, you know what? I mean, I think there is a fair case to be made that if you have named this day, if your government has made this the day, yeah, that probably you know if, if we, now could could this be different if it was nine years in? Or three years in, or whatever, that you know mm-hmm. what, for this particular, but this is the very first one. And so, you know, yeah, you know, I think symbolically it would have been a way better look if the leader of the country, who all, not, now, I mean, I was going to say all through the campaign. To some degree through the campaign, you know, reconciliation came up. I don't know if it was a front and center issue a lot of the time. but
0: Certainly not you know, as much as the indigenous community would have liked it.
11: No, but this this would have been, I think, very symbolic to say, you know, even if you're going to take half your day off, I'm going to meet with somebody, I'm going to appear somewhere in some way. Yeah, you know what, I, I think there's a valid point there. And, and, and I would say the same for if it was, didn't matter what, what party was in charge right now if Aaron O'Toole had won I probably I would have said the same thing if you're the leader who brought this in yeah probably at least show your face I guess that would be my answer
0: so your thoughts on the significance of this day
11: well um you know it goes to your question that you just asked a second ago about again should it be a day off now we had different points of view. There are those who we've heard from today, Indigenous leaders, who say it should be a holiday because it's important. And we've had others. I had one on the show, on Bill's show this morning, the head of the Ontario Native Women's Association who says no, it shouldn't because if you just give people a day off, they're going to pack up their patio furniture and have a barbecue and the kids are on Netflix and no one's paying attention to this. And so Mm. you miss the point of what's going on. We're way better to have people in the community at their workplaces or kids at school in orange shirts, remembering what this is supposed to be about. You want to know something? I don't know what the right answer is on this one. And, in fact, I don't know that there is a right answer, because, Scott, as I say, you've got two strong opinions. Whichever way you go, half or some percentage of the population is going to say you're wrong for doing it. There's no, there is no right answer to this one. Um, what I would say, and, and you know, this, this, this is with a lot of different things, let the Indigenous community get together decide what it as a majority would prefer and come back and tell us what the preference is. And you know what, this is their day. It's our day too, but it's, it's about their community. Uh, let them have the say in whether they think people should be together remembering or with the day off. I,
0: and then who can argue? Good point. Uh, How significant or uh, I'm I'm convinced it is Kamloops, the discovery of the uh, of the unmarked graves below the former site of that residential school in Kamloops changed everything, changed the discussion in Canada.
11: Sure, it did. Sure, it did, Um, because it made it, uh, it it made something happen. For a current generation that had, didn't really have anything before that would have brought it to their attention, if you know what I mean. Like it was not a, it was a history book thing rather than a civics or a current events thing. And so that, you know, that, that always changes. Scott, if you, with anything, if you go somewhere, and this is maybe a bad example, but if you travel somewhere and you see a world historic site, guaranteed because you've now laid your own eyes upon it, You're way more interested in what that site is all about. Well, it's kind of the same thing with this. If you see it with your own eyes, even not you're not there, but live on TV or with with a current situation, of course, it's going to become more relevant to you and more important than if it was back from the, you know, the 1800s. And, you know, even your grandparents weren't alive then. Well, who cares? I mean, that's, and, and we shouldn't, I'm not being dismissive, but it's way harder to be really invested in something when it seems like it's so, so, so long ago and there's no connection to it.
0: Scott Radley with us, host of The Scott Radley Show and columnist in your Hamilton Spectator, talking about the very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Scott, thanks for the time. Be well. You too. As I'm reading from the global news site right now, uh, the Prime Minister is spending his first Truth and Reconciliation Day on vacation with his family uh in fino and many are wondering if that was really the right move for a uh a prime minister who is such uh, uh an advocate for truth and reconciliation especially with this being the very very first uh national day of truth and reconciliation let's bring in tim uh powers abacus data and he is with us now tim thank you for the time i hope you're well
12: I'm I'm well and ready to talk to you, Scott.
0: <laughs> I love you for that. Your thoughts on the very well, first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation and how significant this day is for Canadians.
12: Well, it's it's hugely significant I think and the first one of, of 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 events like this which has been a long journey for so many indigenous peoples um is is a crucial one and I think from what I've seen it's been a day where we, those of us who don't know um, as much Indigenous history as we should are learning, and uh, those people who suffered are are grieving and sharing. It does seem strange, to your point. Um, The Prime Minister chose this week uh, to go on vacation. Look, command deserves a vacation, but Thanksgiving is coming next week. I think no one would have begrudged some time off next week, as many of us take around the Thanksgiving weekend. So why he took it this week and missed the first, um, uh, first National Truth and Reconciliation Day does seem strange, given how much um, he has put his back into trying to lead charges around reconciliation.
0: Is this just an oversight from the prime minister's office? It just I mean, the agenda, right. the, I, I, the agenda today said he was in Ottawa in meetings.
12: Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, it was no secret he was it, taking a, a couple of days off. We heard that earlier in the week. Ottawa, as you know, is a, a, a leaky town, and they did say Tofino, and sure enough, he's in Tofino. Again, nothing was wrong going to Tofino, nothing was wrong with having time off, but it, it just doesn't seem that they thought that well through of it. So, yeah, it seems... You know, maybe there's a pressing reason that we don't know yet, but right now, not knowing those reasons, it just doesn't seem like a very wise move by the Prime Minister on this first day of Truth and Reconciliation. It's a, it's akin to a Prime Minister taking off a Remembrance Day, um, hmm. a, another significant day where we hope to see our leadership present to recognize the people that are are, we we recognize on days like this uh
0: should this be a holiday i mean very much like remembrance day it depends if you're a federal employee or not what how do we handle this
12: yeah i think it needs to be treated a bit like remembrance day i think uh i think it's very very much in line with remembrance day in terms of approach each each day is different um, I, I, I know that many businesses, uh, seem to be uh, taking the day to allow their employees to reflect. I mean, I think we have to have a consistent approach and we don't seem to have one on this first day. Some provinces have made it a statutory holiday. You and I are in Ontario. It's not a statutory holiday here and holiday isn't even the right way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, that's simply the way it's described in, in, in law that governs whether people work or not. But yeah, I, I, I think after today, we'll meet the decision makers, leaders are going to have to reflect on uh, how they can continue to make it an important day and what should happen next year.
0: Uh, we've talked with many today and and talking about the the situation in kamloops and the discovery of those bodies underneath the former sites of the residential school how that was a turning point do you think that got us to where we are
12: yes and the other residential school grave site discoveries but it started in most recently as you said with uh, with kamloops and um, perhaps that's Part of the point that Indigenous peoples are trying to make to those of us who are not Indigenous today, we should be shocked, we should be disgusted, we should have acted sooner. Um, and so if it took Kamloops, shame on us that it took that long, but thankfully the outcome from those horrific discoveries of Kamloops was enough shock to act.
0: Yesterday, a court decision comes down on two issues in regard to Jordan's principle and compensation for victims of residential schools. Will this keep being appealed, or will we find resolution here, a solution? Probably
12: it will, because it's the systematic nature of the Federal Department of Justice. Look, I used to work at Indigenous Affairs. It was then called Indian Affairs, and there's just something in the DNA about... Uh, And and that's not to say there aren't good people there. There are, but their their structure is driven by appeal, appeal, delay, defend, uh, and try not to pay. Um, Again, maybe what this ought to do is have the prime minister say, you know what, I get the way we have traditionally dealt with issues like this one. Let's never mind the appeal. Let's uh, settle up. And the lawyers will find good reasons for appeals, as you know, and there are jurisdictional issues and the like. But at a certain point, you've got to take it out of the legal merry-go-round-it act.
0: Tim Powers has been with us. Thank you, Tim, on this very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Tim. You're welcome, Scott.
8: Bye. Uh, Rob is on the
0: line. Rob, what are your thoughts? How are
8: you doing? Good, you? Wonderful. I just want people to put this a day in their calendar for Mr. Trudeau and how he's treated indigenous people. Because the first day that he was called to do the job, he wasn't there. You can't blame this on the minister of labor. You can't blame this on the the, the minister of uh, defense. You can't blame it on um, Ms. Friedland. You can't, By not showing up, this is your day that you have to shine for those indigenous Indians, not Indians, but indigenous people. And you didn't. You didn't rise up and do it. And I don't care what vacation you thought you were going to supposed to be on, you should have been there because they deserve it
0: uh what of course rob is talking about is the prime minister is on a holiday today with his family in tofino british columbia and is not participating in the uh, national day of truth and reconciliation when you'd think he would be all over the tv from ceremony to ceremony uh selling the very first national day of truth and reconciliation and obviously uh he's not he's uh, on vacation how odd is it though uh when you think about it rob the poll question of the day asking do you think this should be a national holiday clearly i guess uh The Prime Minister thinks it should be.
8: I think it should be a national holiday because these people have, the Indigenous people have earned it. And we've got to give something back to them that we can show. Now, how they want to do it, whether they want days off or something, I don't think it's any of our business. I think we should leave it up to the Indigenous people to decide that for themselves. And the, the Prime Minister and all the premiers of Ontario, Saskatchewan, everybody should be online with this right away.
0: All right, Rob, thanks for the call. Much appreciated. Uh, 621, feel free, 905-645-3221. Start 9900 on your cell. Let's bring in Henry Jacek, professor of political science at McMaster University. He is with us now. Henry, thanks for the time. Hope you're well.
13: Doing well, yes, Scott.
0: Your, thought on the very, your thoughts on the very first uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation?
13: Yeah, it is, it is very odd that the, the, the Prime Minister on, on this day, uh, he would not be at any ceremonies... Especially after we've just finished uh, an election campaign, which he talked about truth and reconciliation over and over and over again, and how you know how important it was, and all this, and I recognize that he went, to, you know, had a ceremony last night, but I just think it is odd that he didn't, you know, do, you know, on the day itself, do something special uh, to basically lead the uh, the country. Uh, in, in, in their thoughts and and considering uh, what the day was all about
0: you'd think that the prime minister's office would have stepped in and had something planned for the entire day
13: I, I would have I certainly would have expected this I I guess they figured that well if we do something last night and they did something there's no question about it I've been watching that uh, you know film of that and uh, yeah he did something there as, but you know it's it just takes, a, but the, the imp, you know, there's just such an importance was laid on, on the whole day, on this day, November 30th. That is something that everybody should be reflecting about and talking about and educating themselves about and that you'd expect that the prime minister would be the chief educator of the Canadian people uh, on this very day uh, as a person who has championed, uh, you know, reconciliation, truth and reconciliation. So it is, a, I think it is, it is a big gaffe. Uh, I mean, I guess we could say uh, well, this is, you know this is going to probably cause some cynicism among people. The election is over, and so he doesn 't have to do these sort of things at least most immediately i don 't know it's, uh, it it's just uh, just had a brain cramp yeah it, it seems
0: kind of odd uh that um that considering uh what an advocate he is that he misses the very first one you would think he'd want to be front and center with that uh do you think this is a change is this a turning in the tide a turning of the tide for canadians
13: i i'm not so sure it is i mean i hopefully uh we can things will be done that we can try to work out and uh you know, basically, try to do uh, you know, pay attention to the truth and do things of reconciliation and help the uh, you know the indigenous community and, and uh, to, to, to deal with the trauma uh, that they've gone through and and it, it's going to be you know it's going to be difficult because I I'm, I'm certainly I just think there's going to be continuing continuing uh, uh, episodes of where we where they exp- uh, experience uh, remembrance of the trauma that's. Mm. that 's going to probably going to go over and over again, and that 's always going to be hard to deal with so it's it's hard to you know it 's hard to ever fa- you know think of a way that we'll ever be able to have closure on this It's going to take a long, long time, and I think uh, a very long time, if ever, and probably never in my lifetime, I would expect that we could say that well we 're all over this, but it means you know but for the day itself, it is important that we educate people, we educate our children. Uh, and and uh, they understand the history, uh, you know, basically of the of the uh, of relations between you know the settlers who came in and those and things that they did and didn't do or shouldn't uh, they should have done when when they uh, when they dealt with the Aber- indigenous people. So it's a it's a very complicated story, and just the education needs to continue on and on.
0: It's going to be fascinating, Henry, to see how this day evolves over time.
13: Yeah, I'm not sure actually how it, it it should be. I mean, how it will. I mean, the ideal would be is that it's an educational day and there should be really ma- you know major educational exercises for adults and for the children in the schools. Um and uh, uh you know, I just think this uh this 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 has to be planned in in a very, in a way that it's found to be a a meaningful day. It's um, I get worried about sometimes when you have some of these days of uh, remembrance and essentially there's there, there there's not that much remembrance those th- for many of the people that those days is just another holiday so you have to figure out how you can get get people to confront the meaning of the day itself
0: all right, Henry Jacek with us, professor of political science McMaster University, talking about the very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, which is, of course, today. Henry, as always, thank you so much for the time. Be well. Okay, I will. It is 626. That's a wrap for us. Thanks for listening. is always greatly appreciated. Thanks to Will and Diana for participating, as always, on CHML. And Hamilton Today, we leave it to you, the good listenership, to get up on top of the CHML soapbox and have your last word
9: i'm a liberal i voted for him and i thought i
11: i, I don't want to swear but I, I think that is the worst thing he could have done and for him
9: not to be there or show up for anything i think that's uh, pretty low down